Yeah, you you want to know if I have a valid result? Exactly. Send it over to you. Please. Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe I have. Oh. Yeah, I have. Well, uh, yeah, it's I a have. quiz. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> okay. I have a valid result. Uh, it's a combined result. Uh, all the jury, jury votes that we got in from the professional juries. But in the end, they didn't. trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we'll be talking about the history of the juries. How's it going, Ben? Uh, it's good. We are we are in August, so it's it's the end of the summer, and I'm ready for it to be done. Mm-hmm. It's just like a month of Sundays, just like that Sunday feeling, but every day, which is, which is a thing. Yeah, I don't know how to fill my days. <laughs> well, yeah, and like, it's also that period where we, we like stockpile episodes in the cellar Mm -hmm. so like every time i'm just i'm just very concerned that this is the time that i've completely forgotten how to make the podcast yeah or just completely forgotten the topic be like oh eurovision i haven't thought about that in two weeks um i haven't heard that name around here for years yeah yeah i mean even the blogs are uh kind of scrambling for content like i saw one article earlier where there's just like it's the 10th anniversary of this song and it's just like (laughs) it's like oh boy yeah (laughs) that is the bottom of the barrel yeah what's the mailbag looking have you gotten any listener mail lately yeah so we uh finished up our gut rehab project in our last episode uh where we were talking about the big five and our suggestions on how they can improve and yeah i I really like how that project turned out the ship lap is a beautiful touch yes yes uh the the wainscoting and the crown molding it's it's all it's all very beautiful um those are things right uh anyway those, those are those are words <laughs> that you use to describe a room in your house uh, i just we learned, did a good job yeah i just learned the term soft loft very, very excited about houses um anyway listener christopher who lives in germany let us know a little bit more context which i think is really helpful in kind of understanding like big five attitudes so so in 2010 he was living in the uk and lena won the contest that year he moved back to berlin in 2011 and yeah so he uh was kind of letting us know how things are from both the uk and german angle so uh from from his letter uh in my experience it's about how important doing well is to the country For Germany, all they need is a very good result once every four or five years, which is what they do. I've been to Eurovision parties where Germans have talked all the way through. They don't really pay much attention. I know that after Lena won, the feeling was, we've done it, and we don't need to win again for a while. Uh, As for the UK, I think Terry Wogan imprinted the Euroscepticism deep into the consciousness of the UK viewing audience. However, it's all forgotten about by Tuesday morning. The Terry Wogan angle did not occur to me at all, and I think that that yeah. makes so much sense. Uh, oh yeah, because like he also sent us like some scans of Radio Times mm-hmm. from like the last time they hosted, I think uh, somewhere yeah, around May, there. May, yeah, yeah, May ninety eight. That's about then. Mm-hmm. And like I was just like, wow, just partially because like some of his comments have not aged well. No, well, I mean they. 
I, I don't think they uh, were age. I don't think they were meant then. to age. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they, again, they were meant to just be like in, in one ear and out of the other by Tuesday, but like just looking back on them in, in 2019, it's just, wow. Terry Wogan was before my time. Like his last contest was 2008 and I didn't start watching. The oh contest yeah. He's, until that's before my time as well. Right. So I am aware of his work. I just haven't like experienced it firsthand. And yeah, so I think that is a major consideration there. Uh, and then Christopher goes on to add that uh, also Germans are more, it's about the taking part than the UK. Uh, when Anne Sophie got zero points, my German friends just shrugged their shoulders. Uh, if that happened in the UK, it would have been nastier. And I think that's accurate. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. Uh, so all of this talk about Germany has reminded me that I have the weirdest Eurovision in the wild, I think, that we've found. Oh, really? Yes. Go on. Okay, so I'm going to give the short version of like the, the intro to this story, or at least I'm going to try to. Uh, so I had to go to the grocery store to pick up stuff for a, a trivia-based dinner party that I do about once, you know, sort of like a couple times a year. And while looking for a German brand of chocolate in my local grocery store, I was like, why do I recognize this song? And then I realized, and I think it was because we had literally just discussed it earlier in the week, mm-hmm. my local grocery store was playing Lavina's Perfect Life. Wow. And I'm just like, just like, A, who is this for? <laughs> because it can't just be for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, who is this for? How did that, like, two, like, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have recognized it as Lavina's Perfect Life if we had not been talking about Germany that week. Huh. That. Yeah. Like. Wait. It's a grocery store in like a German part of town, or no, like no, Euro fabulous part of town. Or like... I mean, I I live in I live in the greater Boston area. We we have a lot of very well known colleges. We have a lot of which which bring a lot of international prestige. But that's st- there's still like I I still can't plug anything from that into the equation of why is this playing at my local grocery store at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday. That is so random. And, like, I mean, we've talked about this sort of phenomenon before where it's just like like a keyword search or something. But why would there be a Spotify? Like, why would your store be playing a playlist with a keyword of perfect or life or perfect life? Yeah, like, there. yeah, there's just like no good reason and like this is like the second boston based one because like a couple years ago like the broadway and boston series was using uh danny martell's waiting for this night mm. or whatever his and which again like i'm the only person who's in in the state who's recognizing this who is this for why uh, wow that 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 yeah. is amazing it's on our twitter but yeah like it was and like i was grabbing video just because like i was originally just going to pull out like the the voice notes app on my phone, but like, no, like I, someone's going to think that I like made this up, but like, no, like mm-hmm. here, here is video of me taping footage of random things in the chocolate aisle, yeah. <laughs> trying to not be like, trying to not be noticed by anyone just being like, okay, why is this song playing? Please be loud enough to hear over the video. Wow. That, yeah, that, that puts the wild in your vision in the wild. So. <laughs> yes. In, in host city news, we still have two cities left uh, in the Netherlands vying for who will host. Yes. Uh, final bids were submitted Friday the 9th. There have been some additional site visits, which which makes sense. They're putting on a big event. They want to make sure that site works. You've, I've done large events. You visit the hotel multiple times. Oh, yeah. We will officially learn uh, when this is happening on Friday, August 30th. 
the sense that I'm getting from like Twitter and various other fan areas is everybody wants Rotterdam. Maastricht sounds like it could be like fun for like a history nerd perspective, but just as a host city, kind of the more challenging of the two. I, I really have to wonder mm-hmm. if it may be coming down to like host dates, like one city can host it one weekend and the other city can host it a different weekend. And maybe that's part of the consideration. That could be. I know the, the logistics nerd in me just wants to know what the dates are just so that I can start planning things out. Mm-hmm. I watched both of the promo videos and both had like the same kind of bland come to our city feel, mm-hmm. but I was a little bit more swayed by by the Rotterdam video. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be rumors between now and the 30th and uh, all sorts. And we'll probably know the city before the 30th, well, like because this stuff always gets leaked ahead of time. But at least we know mm-hmm. like there's a definite date when we will have an answer. When we will have firm details on where it's going to happen. Yes. And then just continuing the the dearth of, of news updates, that's enough uh, European Eurovision news updates. Let's talk about American Eurovision news updates. Uh, the Netflix movie uh, is, is filming in Iceland. Which is someone who enjoyed Iceland's entry this year knows that they filmed at the at the twenty nineteen competition. Has me a little concerned that we're not gonna get to see any hotry in that film, but that's probably fine. It's fine. You never know. They could they could have a cameo in there or Yeah. It would not surprise me if they are part of a character sketch. I mean, this is a Will Ferrell joint, like he's gonna like try try to get all of the flavors of Eurovision, I feel. So Good point. And like, okay, so we may we might not have Hotry in there, but we will have Pierce Brosnan. When I first heard that he was being cast, I was like, wow, that that's kind of a get in a weird way. But then like uh, the photo that was attached to those stories, like, oh, I wonder if he's going to play like a Jan Olasand type character, because he does have that kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, he does have that appeal about it. Um, And like also that would be super flattering for Jan Olasand. But (laughs) 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 but uh, no, he's uh, going to be playing uh, Will Ferrell's father. My favorite thing about like when the more detailed story came out was that Pierce Brosnan's character's name is Eric Eric Song, and uh, Will Ferrell's name is also Eric Eric Song. And your immediate response was, "That is not how Icelandic last names work. That is not how patronymic (laughs) naming works. I have not been working on my Icelandic skills in the Drops app Mm. since March. Okay, uh, (laughs) for for this movie to screw that up, Uh, but." Yeah, I, I really have to wonder if that was a typo rather than I'm, uh, well, like an error. As someone who routinely types their very good coworker's name, Tim, into into Slack as time all the time, just mm. because your brain just does that, yeah. I could see that happening. Alternately, some sort of weird typo correction thing could just be like, this is clearly meant to be song. Oh, yeah. Or it could be a stage name. Could be like a stage name if they're playing musicians. Yeah. Yeah, because the character that's played by uh, Rachel McAdams, who I think is going to be Will Ferrell's sister in the movie, her last name is correct. It's uh, Eric's daughter. So, like, I, I can't imagine that they would get one part of that correct and the other part incorrect. <laughs> As you can tell, it is a pretty slow uh, news <laughs> week like... if we are nit- nitpicking to this yeah. degree. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, let's, that, that is enough news desk. Let's talk about juries. We kind of set this aside at the beginning of the summer. It's like, let's, let's let our thoughts about how the jury did this year kind of stew for a little bit. Yeah, last summer we did an episode about the history of voting. Uh, this was episode number twenty-nine. Wow, thirty episodes ago. Were, yeah, were we ever so young? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we talked about how voting works in general, and 
all of the different configurations of juries uh, that have existed uh, at Eurovision, where it's like two-person panels, 12-person panels, a panel where at least this many people are under the age of 25, like just so many different configurations. And we're not going to go through all of that. Today, we're going to talk about it more in the context of the jury versus the televote, because I think that's where most of the controversy was resting this year, at least in terms of where the uh, points were concerned at Eurovision. Right. And I feel like in recent years, like the there's been much more of, I, I guess, a response to just disparities between how the jury voted and how the, the televote voted. And that's partially mm-hmm. due to since 2016, we've now had a much more clear delineation of here is how the juries thought people did. Here is what the televote thought in a way that we haven't had before. Right. Yeah. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to kind of go through the history of the jury as the jury villain, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so the whole concept of the jury as a separate entity didn't really come about until 1997. That was the first year that televote was used in any sort of capacity. It started with just five countries televoting, kind of a pilot program. Austria, Germany, Sweden, Switzerland, and United Kingdom. I'm not sure why it was those five countries necessarily. I'm guessing maybe they had the most reliable phone network or SMS network. That was going to be my guess. was just like, you know know who has the best phone networks right now? These five countries. Let's have them try this first. Yeah. So when it came time to uh, distributing points, those five countries were using the televote. Everybody else was using juries. They decided that that was viable. So the next year, 1998, 21 out of the 25 countries participating that year used the televote. The only ones that didn't use the televote were Hungary, Romania, Slovakia, and Turkey. They also had backup juries in place just in case there were any Televote failures, shenanigans, power outages, what have you. The system seemed to be working, so they kept incorporating the televote uh, in 99 and 2000, with still a handful of countries opting for using the jury instead of the televote. So it's still one set of points that's in play. And they also had the backup juries in place, which became an issue in 2000. 19 of the 24 countries televoted. North Macedonia, Romania, Russia, and Turkey, they had gone in expecting to use the juries. Netherlands, on the other hand, intended to televote, but that was the year that there was a fireworks disaster at a factory in the Netherlands that they had to cut away from the contest to do like live news coverage. So yeah, the televote would not have worked in that scenario because nobody was watching the show. Just to take a quick fireworks disaster detour, mm-hmm. because I saw that in our notes, it was like, what? I didn't really do any Googling about the juries this week. I instead Googled about Netherlands fireworks disasters, because as it turns out, when you type Netherlands fireworks disaster into Google, it asks you to be more specific. Yeah, I, I guess the fireworks industry is uh, a big one in the Netherlands. One, one or... could say it's booming. Oof. Um, Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went there. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> this particular fireworks disaster was not a joke. Sir, it was kind is, of, it was, is not no. Yeah, it no, was kind like, of the, the uh, molasses uh, disaster. The Great Molasses Flood is is to Boston as the Enchetta fireworks disaster is to that area of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. People died. It still didn't change the overall structure of the contest, having this backup jury in place of the televote. In 2001, they started to kind of tinker with the formula a little bit more. Three countries were 
going to use 100% jury vote as a way of giving out points. Another three countries were going to do a 50-50 split. So half their points would be based on the jury scores. Half their points would be based on the televote. It would be sort of a combined format of giving out points. And then the other 17 countries competing that year were 100% televote. This sort of like hodgepodge system uh, continued. Yeah, it's kind of a, a wild west. A little bit, yeah. You have a backup jury in case the televote fails. But if the jury's not great... You don't necessarily have a backup system for that. <laughs> so, yeah. There were a slew of opinions in the early 2000s about this. Not everybody was a fan of those options. And then in 2003, the contest decided to make it a mandatory televote. You had to provide a televote unless your country's phone system did not have the infrastructure to support that. So Russia and Bosnia-Herzegovina were exempt from the mandatory televote. And Ireland needed to use their backup jury because of some technical problems with uh, their uh, televoting system at at the night of the contest. At that point, it just kind of moved into an all-televote system, using the juries as a backup in case there were technical problems or if a certain voting threshold was not met. Like, you needed to get a certain number of votes phoned in so that the the televote would count because you want to have a representative sample uh from Mm -hmm. from the pool this system was in place pretty much until 2008 2009 the weird thing about this system is even since they still had the backup juries in the room they're just like well let's give them something to do uh they determined the wild card for who would advance from the semifinals right yeah like that's why we had like kind of those weird years where like Sweden didn't place one year. Right. They didn't they didn't finish in the top ten in the semifinals, but the jury gave them the the wild card. Oh, right. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't they didn't make it, it was that they did make it over North Macedonia, leading to the sweet, sweet revenge this year. And it was Tamara Tadevska both times. Yes. So that's yeah. what I meant by sweet, sweet revenge. Tamara yes. Tadevska rises <laughs> triumphantly. Yes. Oh, she over is Sweden. so proud. Uh <laughs> <laughs> As you can imagine, people weren't necessarily happy about that either. So in 2009, the reference group decided to commission a survey among the membership to be like, all right, we know that the system's not perfect. What ideas do you have? Part, part of it was a venting session where people were just sharing their complaints of why the particular systems that have been in place the last decade or so weren't working for them. And it's kind of the normal complaints that you hear nowadays about like, the contest being politically charged or neighbors voting for neighbors and uh, do not doubt the power of the diaspora. And yeah, all, all, all of all of these different excuses that may have some data to support it. it, it it's kind of up in the air. Poland proposed using the system that the Eurovision dance contest was a thing, just doing 50-50 jury and televote. 2009, the resolution was to have televote for the semis, just to kind of keep that system in place. And then in the final, it would be a 50-50 split. Austria did not care for that solution, and they withdrew for a couple of years. And then, like, the other one that I feel just, like, even just looking at the data that we pulled together for this, just, like, does not like the televote. Because, like, who is always one of the ones that never has televote? Turkey. Turkey did not have it in 98, 99, 2000. Turkey also had a handful of other complaints. Like, they are strongly against the concept of the Big Five. They were not fans of Conchita uh, winning in yeah, 2014. That's the one that they bring up now. But, like, yeah, yeah there, but... there are a lot of reasons that Turkey he doesn't want to play anymore and i mean if you don't have the infrastructure for it that is 
a legitimate concern. I mean, that that's still a problem for Montenegro. It's definitely a problem for San Marino. For, yeah, for San Marino, who is whose phone system belongs to Italy. Right. Particularly with the new voting system in place. It doesn't necessarily work for them. We'll, we'll come back to that. Starting in 2010, they decided to do like 50-50 for both the semifinals and the final. In 2010, there was a slight difference uh, to it where the televoting was open during the performances rather than having all the performances happen and then the window for voting. They kept the 50-50 system and then switched it into kind of fine-tuning how the jury scores are tabulated. So in 2014, it wasn't just each juror picking their 10 favorite songs. They had to rank all songs in competition. So in the semifinals, it could be like, okay, you've got to rank all these songs, 1 through 18. In the grand final, all the songs except your own, 1 through 26 or 1 through 25, however many were uh, in competition. Which, it's really a difficult ranking to do because when it gets gets to your top five yeah you can make a very reasoned argument for be like oh i like this song more than this song is there really a tangible difference between number 17 and number 18 in 2016 they introduced a system that we know today where it's the juries are providing one score the televote is providing another score and then all of those points are combined. That one has been interesting be- because of, well, a couple of factors. One, it, it does like have more points in play for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. With the juries, there isn't as clear of a mandate as to what it is they're evaluating or... Yeah, theoretically, the jury is supposed to be made up of like five music industry professionals, other people who are, you know, just sort of like the professional side of the music biz. Mm-hmm. So I just having looked over the juries over the years, you have past contestants, you have like in the case of Sweden, I often see names from other acts that were at Melfest, you have other performers, you have all these other industry professionals. But yeah, like often my question is like, what are you know, what are they supposed to be listening for? Are they supposed to be focusing on just the song and just the composition? Or are they supposed to be taking the stage performance into account? And keeping in mind that the stage performance they're watching is the dress rehearsal the day before either the semifinal or the grand final. There could be technical difficulties with that. That was uh, an issue that Norway brought up this year, where I guess the cameras went out during their jury performance for the grand final, and they asked for a redo and were denied that. And that provided some grist for some of the complaining this year. But then with the current system in place, there's not a great backup system available like we saw that with belarus this year where their jury was excused after the first uh semi-final because one of their jurors was just talking about how they voted which is a big no-no but you still need to have a jury score presented at the grand final because that's how the points work and that's how the points work which suddenly led us to discovering about the aggregate Mm -hmm. backup Right, which is just done by uh, a pool of countries, which is uh, presumably the same pool that they were placed in during the semifinal allocation draw in uh, January. And it's averaging out the scores from all of those countries and then uh, making sure that you sort your Excel sheet properly (laughs) so that you give the uh, correct (laughs) scores. Don't give Israel 12 points when you meant to give them zero points. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So there's weirdness with that. And then it also, with the jury, it's a little bit easier to be politically motivated. Like, it's very rare for Armenia and Azerbaijan to exchange points, particularly when their juries uh, place... Like, coincidentally, all five jurors putting uh, the other country at the very bottom of their list. Like, it's fascinating how that ranking just Just like played every out. year, yeah. like clockwork. Mm-hmm. So, and you can also see, like, gamesmanship in play, where if you're a country that is a favorite to win, you may throw your 12 juror points to a country that probably won't be winning the contest. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of potential for fishiness. Mm-hmm. I think... Part of the reason why it was so stark this year was that there was not consensus between the jury and the televote. Like in 2016, when this system was introduced, it wasn't a perfect one to one match in terms of like what the jury liked and what the televote liked. But it was pretty close. The act that came in second place with uh, both the jury and the televote went on to win. And then in Ukraine, Portugal was the overwhelming favorite for both the jury and the televote. So that was fine. Last year, Netta, popular enough with the jury, very popular with the televote. Like it, it just ended up working out that way. But yeah, this year it was just all over the place with which country was getting points from whom. Right, and I feel like this year, like, I'm not sure what kind of consistency there is from year to year for that new, that this new form where, like, everybody needs to do their rankings of all of the songs except their own. Mm -hmm. I would love to know what the format of that looks like. Because you had multiple jurors this year realizing after the fact that they had put their votes in in completely the reverse order some kind of user design thing was was missing there to to really make it stick out which where where you put the good ones and where you put the bad ones yeah for some reason like i'm picturing that their ballot looking like the scorecard at a mini golf course where it's just like like five very narrow columns and you've got to like write your score in very tiny numbers and like you're given pencils with no erasers i'm I'm so pleased just because my brain went to the exact same format of like okay what if a spreadsheet but printed off so basically Mm -hmm. a mini golf scorecard yeah like thinking about okay how could that be clearer and again like i have no this this is probably not doable just because not every nation has the same technological resources available so some sort of paper form is probably better Mm -hmm. uh but i'm just envisioning like a a slightly higher tech version of what i do when i have to rank all 25 of these songs or all 17 of these songs when we do our rankings which is i plug all of the names in to a randomized grid grid sort of where like it gives me two at a time and I pick out which one do I like better or which one do I think is going to do better. So given this rubric, uh, pick which one you think did did better at this. And that way you're not you're, you're not mentally squabbling over, okay, which one was 12th and which one's 13th? Right. Yeah, and I think that would also make sense. And like, because I, I think part of the difficulty is the jury is evaluating a different performance than the televote audience. And like, granted, I've not had the experience of seeing the rehearsal and the live performance that would follow like in the same year. But like I was at the jury final last year. And most of what happened at the jury final was the same as what we saw on TV. There was no stage jumper during the UK performance. But other than that, like everything else was pretty much the same, but it's not exactly the same. And yeah, if you hit a bum note in your grand final performance, then maybe you should get a point taken off or something. Like I I do remember in 2012, there was a... Uh, 
I, I think it was video from the jury final during Lorraine's performance of Euphoria. And like, there's that part, uh, towards the end of the song where snow starts falling and like she was looking up to the sky and like a little piece of the fake snow like <laughs> got caught in her throat and like she's yeah. like delivering a note and then you just hear her go <clears throat> and the blogs just kind of seized on that because like everybody knew that she was going to win and like the blog seized on that and we're just like could this be the downfall of sweden and it's like no no it's not <laughs> but, no, but it's no, just it's like we need, we need to generate some sort of content because there is not going to be much suspense here but i did notice during the uh, televised grand final performance that she did not look up at that point she was looking straight down at the floor and be like i am not going to accidentally swallow like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, ha- I i have tasted the fake snow once and that was enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but i mean like little minor things like that aren't, aren't going to make that much of a difference but yeah i mean if they are able to do some sort of get like five ipads get that randomizer grid and like have the jury like doing that during the voting window that the televoters are voting in because you i would say it would take like maybe 15 20 minutes to go through a grid oh, yeah like it takes me like 20 minutes and like again like just have it where it, where it gives you like a little snippet of their of their performance or whatever mm-hmm. just to just remind you okay it's this song versus this song yeah. And then just like tap the one you like and keep tapping the one you like until you run out and then have it circle at the end for anything where there was a tie. Yeah. And then like once all of that's done, like it's already connected to whatever computer system you have that gets zapped to wherever the scores get zapped to. And then uh, they tabulate that jury presents their scores. They can continue tabulating the televote, present those scores. Like it, it seems like it could all be done in a single event. And I mean, alternately, like do it this, do it during the jury final. Just do it at the end. Let them do that, and then you're done. Yeah, you've done your job. Yeah, done your job, and then they can tabulate that part and have it ready to go during showtime, so that Yano Lasan can go. Yes, we're good. Yes, I'm sure that there are many, many issues that prevent this from being just such a smooth thing that I'm not thinking of. I don't know. I work in software. That's why I think about all the time. Is like, what am I not thinking about? Yeah, forty three notaries public that like have to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> have, have to, to like, certify bring their, bring all their of this. embosser to... yeah yeah and like ipads do not respond to those stampy thingies they uh, do no. not like the stampy <laughs> things but no that's what the printout is for there you go it is a good solution because then like or having it be not everybody placing like their uh their nemesis in like 26th place like have a couple people place them in like 23rd or 24th and like exactly, there's a little bit exactly. of variety there just like don't make it so obvious but mm-hmm. Yeah, it's especially this year when people really, really wanted Norway to win and like they didn't get their moment in the sun as having won the uh, the televote. And they're just like, oh, we need to get rid of the juries. And it's just like, well, I I think there could be some revisions. Like part of me is just like, yeah, like Norway should not have won with that song. Uh, but I understand why it was popular. It just wasn't mm-hmm. for me. But I like the fact that there are juries. As part yes, of this I, yeah, like, I, I am not opposed to the idea of juries. I am not idea. I am not opposed to the idea of having industry professionals look at these songs from one lens, where they are looking at musicianship and they are looking at performance and they are looking at lyricism as, as a way to balance out just sort of who puts on the best show. Mm-hmm. That said, I do. Yeah, like it, it does feel like there's there's some some issues, particularly now. Like I think in in attempting to go more transparent, we are now seeing more places that are that are surprisingly open and and able for things to go wrong like because all of a sudden this year we're seeing a big disparity and we are seeing well and i think part of it was like this year was just kind of weird in that it didn't feel like we had a huge front runner like 
the Netherlands had a lot of buzz, but it felt like, again, like there were times during the, the actual score reveals this year where anything was possible. I'm wondering if maybe it's just a case of they should consider having different formats each year. Because, I mean, during the early stages, they were trying every different new iteration of scoring and maybe like next year they should do a 100% televote method and then the year after that it'll be 100% juries and like maybe set up a rotation or something because I think I think also like one of the issues this year uh what with like Israel hosting and having uh Shabbat considerations it would not have been as big of an issue if they didn't have to have the Friday night jury performance like, I think that would have opened up their hosting options and really made organizing a little less complicated in some areas. And if they had had the option to not have the jury performance or have some flexibility in the schedule, that might have resolved some of those issues. But it, it's, it seems like if they can spice it up a little bit and not just be like locked into a rigid scoring system, it's like, oh, well, this is just how we do it now. It's like, eh maybe a little bit of openness mm-hmm. well that slammed on okay. the brakes uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, just just killed the bus yeah, yeah yeah it's just like i want uh, options <laughs> yeah and and yes yes uh well that's going to do it for this episode of the euro what thank you for listening uh the euro what podcast is hosted by mike mccone that's me and ben smith that's me you can find us on our website at eurowhat.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eurowhat. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to eurowhat on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Rating and reviewing the podcast when you subscribe also helps other Eurovision fans find us. Next time, we're jumping back 40 years to see how 1979's contest helps us make sense of today's Eurovision.